Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, March 21st, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. It's spring since we potted last week. This is the sort of sound we're hearing all over the place. What a relief. Here's Matt Chapman, and he swings and hits one deep to left field. And welcome to the Blue Jays, Matt Chapman. The hip looks pretty good, Joe. I think he's healed. <laughs> oh, how great does that sound? That was Buck Martinez, of course, on the Blue Jays television network. Producing this podcast is Taylor Schwenk from the Foothills of Connecticut. Sarah Abbott is holding down the heartland in Nebraska. I'm Buster Olney. I'm actually at Yankees camp here on this Monday morning. Just a beautiful day here. Some of the last big names came off the board over the weekend among the players who were waiting to get decisions from in free agency. The Philadelphia Phillies agreed to a five-year $100 million deal for Castellanos, who hit 309 with 34 homers and 100 RBI last season for the Reds. The Phillies are going to have an absolutely stacked offensive lineup. Not sure about their defense. <laughs> the Braves have signed Kenley Jansen to a one-year deal for $16 million. Uh, we're going to be talking with Sarah Langs in a little bit about the quality of the Braves' bullpen. The Marlins signed Jorge Soler, World Series hero, to a three-year $36 million deal. Mets newcomer Starling Marte is slowed in the Mets camp by an oblique injury. The Padres acquired Luke Voigt from the New York Yankees. Now, over the weekend, we learned the whereabouts of Carlos Correa. He's with the Minnesota Twins, agreed to a three-year, $105.3 million deal, which contains opt-outs, not surprisingly. And the Red Sox signed Trevor Story. Six years, $140 million. Tim Kirchner and I will be talking about that in just a moment. Taylor, what do you got? Buster, great weekend of action in the NCAA tournament and Baldman on campus will be recapping all of that action tomorrow morning. Tuesday morning, we'll do our first weekend recap show, and then we're going to look ahead to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. That show is going to come out on Wednesday. Again, that is Baldman on campus featuring Jay Billis, Lafonso Ellis, and my guy, Seth Greenberg. You can listen to and follow Baldman on campus wherever you listen to podcasts. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The 2021 class of free agent shortstops was expected to be the greatest concentration of positional talent hitting the open market at the same time. In alphabetical order, Javier Baez, Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Trevor Story. How'd they do? Well, they more than lived up to the hype. Lindor was traded by Cleveland to the Mets for a package of prospects in the months leading up to the 2021 season. And then the Mets signed Lindor to a record-setting $341 million deal, the most for any shortstop. Here's Lindor at the Zoom call after the Mets acquired him. Of course, I embraced every single step of my life. And this step, like you're saying, I'm one of the faces. I embrace that. I have never been the type of player where it's like, Follow me, I'll lead you to success. Now, I've always been a, a person that together, we all gonna achieve what we want. And, and that's what I bring. There continues to be questions in the industry about why the Mets would effectively pay double the cost in prospects and then that whopper contract. The other five players reached free agency and two landed with the same team. Seeger signed a $325 million deal to be the Rangers shortstop and Simeon got $175 million to play second base alongside Seager. Here's Seager and Simeon when they were introduced by the Rangers. Yeah, it was pretty interesting, you know. Um, signed 45 an hour right before the deadline, and then you can't talk to your new organization, your new manager, um, new front office. You can't figure out the ins and outs, what to expect coming into spring, you know. And then flash forward and you got to show up in three days and you're trying to scramble and figure out all those things and have a bunch of conversations just to be on the same page and know what to expect coming in and what they're looking for so it was it was interesting you know it was it was a weird start but we're here now and we'll continue to be in contact and we're going to figure it out yeah i mean we're going to be attached at the hip you know for the entire camp and all year that's my middle infield partner um we're both going to be leaders in the, on this ball club for years to come. So just getting to know him a little bit more. We, we've been talking this offseason uh, through text and just, you know, I'm excited. We've got a lot of years ahead of us to, to learn each other and, um, you know, whatever. Over this seven and ten years, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more players coming that will join us. After the Tigers tried and failed to sign Correa, they turned to Baez locking down the exciting infielder for $140 million. Here was Baez last week speaking with Detroit reporters about being around Miguel Cabrera and new teammates. Oh, it's been great. He's been fun the whole time since, since he got here. Everybody's, you know, want to be around him. So he's um, great. It's great to have him around and, and you know, um, seeing him swing and, and see, see his work. Obviously, it, it motivates a lot of players here. As a high-profile new player, do you make, have to make an effort to kind of meet your new teammates or, or be a leader or do you just kind of be yourself? 
Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll be myself. I'm, I'm always a leader. I'm always around everybody. Um, you know, I gotta let them come to me first, so so I, so I can get confident, and then you know, I'll be I'll be around all the guys. When the owners put the lockout into effect, Correa and Story were unsigned. Correa changes agents, hiring Scott Boris. It with no apparent Lindor type deal available to him. Correa signed an unusual three-year, $105.3 million deal with the Twins that will allow him to opt out after the first year or the second year. His average salary of $35 million is the highest ever for an infielder. Jose Altuve sounded surprised when he heard the news. You know, it's a lot of weird things in this uh, business. I played all my career with Kaiko. He left, you know. I played a few years with Gary Cole, but we got along pretty good, and he left, you know. A lot of people living, but you know that means they're, they're they're good players and they're getting you know what they deserve. And late Saturday, the Red Sox signed Story to a one hundred and forty million dollar contract. Marley Rivera talked with Xander Bogarts, who's one of the Red Sox players who had been recruiting Story leading up to his signing. I mean, he's definitely in in, in my top five best shortstop that that I like. You know, uh, my personal opinion. Uh, so to add someone like that, if, if it even happened, I mean, it would be huge. You know, he's a, he's a big bat, extremely well defensively, uh, got speed. I mean, he, he can do pretty much everything. You know, he's a 5-2 player, uh, high caliber player. These six players combined to sign deals for a little more than $1.2 billion. Next fall, the shortstops on the free agent market could include Xander Bogarts, who can opt out of his contract with the Red Sox, and Correa, who may well opt out of his deal with the Twins. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkson covers baseball for ESPN. Tim, how you doing? I'm well, Buster. How's it going? I'm doing great. I'm at Yankees camp this morning. Uh, It's a beautiful morning here. And I just got back from the clubhouse. And I, I have noticed something in my first days of spring training this year. You know, walking into the clubhouse, first the Atlanta Braves uh, and then the Boston Red Sox, uh, then coming here, doing the Yankees. And I'm looking around the clubhouse, Tim, and after two years of COVID where we're not in the clubhouses, what absolutely jumped out to me, and I'm curious if it did for you, I don't recognize a lot of guys. Like, not having eyes on those players in the clubhouses is kind of – I realize, like, I see them play on television – but I need to be like in their presence to recognize them and to feel comfortable. Like I know everybody. Yeah. It's, it's very disconcerting for guys like me who've spent an entire career in the clubhouse. And there are guys who have been called up in the last two years who I have never met and I will meet them for the first time this spring. And that's not a good feeling because we haven't been allowed in the clubhouse and there is no substitute for actually speaking to another human being face to face. TV is great. Zoom works, I guess, but there is no substitute for actually speaking to somebody and seeing up close what this guy looks like. So I have a lot of work to do to catch up from the last two years when we weren't allowed in the clubhouse. And, you know, I've I've done okay so far this spring, but I have a long way to go. There are a lot of people, a lot of players I still need to meet. 
I'm going to talk to you about the shortstop signing, Correa, uh, Trevor Story. What are the Red Sox going to do with him? We'll talk about Freddie Freeman. I want to ask you about the Giants, the Brewers. But before we get started, because I know how you are in spring training, which is the most relaxed time of year, and how much you enjoy that. Give me a just a snippet of a, a fun conversation you had when you were out in Arizona. Well, I uh, I talked to the Brewers uh, a great deal, and I'm writing a story about pitchers <laughs> never getting a hit anymore. And I find that really sad, by the way, Buster. Most people think the universal DH is the greatest thing ever. I've, I always thought it was kind of cool when pitchers don't, I mean, pitchers get to hit, even if they can't hit. It makes for interesting stories and statistics. So the Brewers told me a story about if any pitcher on their team draws a walk without swinging the bat, he gets a special prize for that. And that prize, the statue, goes into his locker and it stays in his locker until the next Brewer pitcher somehow draws a walk in a major league game without swinging the bat. So that's a story I'd never heard before. And I must've talked to half a dozen Brewer pitchers about that little tradition that they have. And again, that's a tradition that we will no longer have because our pitchers don't get to bat anymore. So for all those who say, great, I don't have to watch Charlie Morton bat anymore. I, I really do understand that. But the history of pitchers hitting, which I'm writing about, is a great history, and now it's going to be gone, and I'm sad about that. Oh, I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of pitchers who are going to be weeping into your arms, uh, weeping in your arms as you ask them how they feel about not having the opportunity to swing because, as you know, almost all these guys were shortstops and outfielders, and they were the best hitters on their high school teams and some of them on their college teams, and so I'm sure it really, you know, from their perspective, stinks. All right, let's get into uh, – the Twins signing of Carlos Correa over the weekend. Uh, I, I thought it was a done deal that he was going to, at some point, sign one of these contracts where he could opt out. Uh, I was talking with one of his former teammates the other day, and he said, look, when uh, you know when you got through the lockout, you just weren't going to see anybody get necessarily a $300 million contract. And for Correa, uh, he signs a three-year deal, which I think the way the best way to describe it, Tim, from the two sides for Correa, it's the highest salary ever paid for any infielder uh, for 2022, plus $70 million worth of insurance. In other words, if he gets hurt, then he still has a $70 million that's guaranteed to him. He almost certainly is going to uh, you know, opt out of the contract at the end of the year. And for the Minnesota Twins, I kind of look at it like buying prospects, right? Where uh, if they contend with Correa at shortstop, then great. If they don't contend with Correa, uh, then in midseason, some contender that had a, lost a shortstop to an injury or some unexpected contender that needs a shortstop, you flip Correa uh, in a midseason trade and you get back a couple of really good prospects. Is that what do you think? Yeah, first off, I was surprised that he went to the Twins, but then when you see the makeup of the contract, as you just explained, it does make sense. Now, we'll see if the Twins return to form from a couple years ago. They had a pretty darn good team, and they've added some interesting pieces in this offseason, including Sonny Gray. So they have a chance to be a decent team, maybe, maybe even a playoff team. Uh, with six teams going in. My guess is they're not going to be a playoff team. And if they recognize that, then they can just move Carlos Correa. So this whole idea 
that, you know, the shortstop market that we've been looking at for two years, it's still not over because we have to see how the Twins play this year. And if they're not a playoff club, there's no doubt he's going to get moved. But he's a really good player. Let's not forget. And if somehow the Twins take off and start to play like a couple of years ago, they have an interesting team. Yeah, they should hit like crazy for sure. Uh, Trevor Story lands with the Boston Red Sox after talking with the Twins. Uh, after talking with the Houston Astros, there's some conversations with the Yankees, with the San Diego Padres, or of course, or with that Fernando Tatis uh, Jr. extensively. I love this, Tim, because this is a case where Story had some options, uh, a lot of options. There was concern about his throwing elbow, uh, you know, concerns moving forward about, uh, you know, if he's going to be able to stay healthy. But Story could have gone to a, a non-contender and instead, he really pushed to go to the Red Sox to the degree that he agreed to play second base. Because I think it's too late uh, or too close to the start of the 2022 season to ask Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers to move around the infield. What do you think of this signing? Well, I think it's great for the Red Sox. This guy is a really good player. Power, speed, defense, everything. So, And the Red Sox needed him given the strength of that division. That is a ridiculously good division, especially with the way the Blue Jays have upgraded in the offseason. Um, and I, you know, I would be uncomfortable if this were 10 years ago, you know, Trevor Story trying to play second base. I've written this story a half dozen times, how difficult it is to go from shortstop every day to the other side of the field. Sean Dunson told Sean Dunson played 1100 games at shortstop and then moved to second base and said, that's the worst experience I've ever had. He said, I felt like the, the field was tilted. He never got used to in a small amount of time there, the runner coming at him without him being able to see it. But the point is, it's no longer important to hang in there on the double play because you can't take the second baseman out anyway or the shortstop. So I think Trevor Story being a really good athlete is going to end up being an above average defensive second baseman. And I think he's exactly what they need for that order. He is going to tattoo that wall and hit a ton over that net. And the Red Sox needed him badly. I thought, you know, a year ago, he'd be a starting shortstop on a contending team. I think he's going to be an everyday second baseman on a contending team. And if I'm him, after all these years in Colorado, all I want to do is win. I don't care if they put me behind the plate. I'm going to take it. And that ended up what he did was take the, an offer from a team that he thinks is going to the playoffs. That, to me, is the most underrated part of Trevor's story, Tim. And you referenced it, his athleticism, you know, how, how well he runs, uh, the, how well he moves. It's interesting. We've talked for so long about this, uh, you know, class of free agent shortstops. Among the five that hit the market last fall, Corey Seager, uh, Marcus Simeon, uh, Carlos Correa with his history of lower back issues, uh, Javier Baez. I thought Trevor Story was the guy, uh, you know, it, while acknowledging the throwing issues that he had and potentially the, you know, the elbow issue that he might have down the road. He was the guy who I, I thought of five years from now is most likely to play shortstop. Right. Again, he'll be really good for them. He's exactly what they need. And, and to repeat, Buster, I'm sorry. This was a terrible rule to take out to change the slide rule at second base. All it does is reward guys with bad footwork. And now it's 
easy, it's much easier now to move from shortstop to second base and handle the turn and handle the position, especially when you're a great athlete like Trevor Story. I mean, I miss Ozzie Smith, a magician at shortstop, not only making the turn, but jumping out of the way from a runner sliding as hard as he can. I miss Ryan Sandberg absolutely disappearing around the bag when you're going to get him, and he still makes the double play. Those days are over, and baseball is is not better for it. So good for Trevor Story. He, he did the right thing, and there's no way you should move Xander Bogart at this stage of his career. He's a way, way above average defensive shortstop and a really good hitter that would have been unfair so they did the right thing putting story at second and it makes them better in 2022 and if Xander Bogart's departs as a free agent uh, next offseason if he opts out of his contract then the Red Sox will have a ready-made replacement at shortstop assuming that story's healthy all right I want to talk to you about uh, Freddie Freeman joining the Braves the first time I've or joining the Dodgers it's the first time that I've had a chance to talk to you with you since that all happened. The other day, uh, Freddie met with reporters. Clayton Kershaw spoke with reporters about Freddie Freeman and what he brings to the table. He's got to be, if not the best, one of the best top three or four hitters in the game. So, um, you know, Freddie, I know him a little bit. Um, I'm excited to have him. I know he's going to be excited to get here. And, um, he's kind of got the personality he'll fit into any clubhouse. And, um, that's good. You know, we have we got a position player lineup of all all stars, so that's good. But that doesn't mean you're going to win. So um, we got to work to work together, come together as a team because there is some there are some things about culture and chemistry and things like that that you have to work on. So um, we can't just assume that because we got nine of the best players in the game running out there every day that we're going to win. So uh, we got to work on that, um, and we will, and we'll be good at it. So the other day, Tim, when uh, Freeman spoke with reporters, he mentioned that the Braves had only had contact with him two times uh, since the end of the World Series, since that championship uh, uh, parade that they had in Atlanta. Uh, And I got to say, like uh, the idea that Freddie Freeman's playing on some team other than the Braves is shocking to me. And I did a long form story that came out over the weekend about the way these negotiations played out. And I'm still shocked after talking with everybody that they somehow didn't find a way to get together. Because, Tim, when you look at the details of his deal with the Dodgers, he's actually going to wind up making less money with the Dodgers than what he uh, did not accept from the Atlanta Braves. When you factor in that out of the $162 million in that six years, 162 deal, $57 million are deferred, no interest. And then you factor in state taxes, he's going to make less money, Tim. And so, you know, after talking with folks who are involved in this negotiation, uh, after talking with Chipper Jones, and it was Freddie far better than I do. And he told me a story about how last August he told Freddie, look, if you want to stay here, uh, you know, you you want to make a deal uh, now, figure out a way to get a deal now, because if you get to free agency and, you know, the pretty girls, the way Chipper referred to it, the big market team start talking to you. The Braves are not going to win that bidding war. And in the end, the Braves wound up making an offer that was actually more worth more in, in uh, present day value than what the Dodgers did. And so I just scratched my head because, as I wrote in the piece, Freddie and the, and the Braves, to me, were like that great married couple. And you can't believe they're splitting up. 
Yeah. Um, in October, I talked to a source who told me Freddie is coming back to the Braves. I'm certain of it. All they have to do is get to six years and the deal is done. Well, obviously never got to six years and the Dodgers did, which may be all it took. I'm with you, though, Buster. I'm surprised Freddie Freeman isn't the first baseman for the Braves. Now, let's be clear. Matt Olson is really good. He's five, four or five years younger. They've got him signed long term and they have a really good team with what they did. But I still can't believe that Freddie Freeman is on another team when I thought I just thought he would end up with the Dodgers and I mean, with the Braves. And the confusing part is if I'm going to get Matt Olson, the before I make that trade, I have to call Freddie Freeman and say, look, I we need a first baseman. If we don't have you, we have to go get somebody else. And apparently that conversation didn't really happen because Freddie Freeman claims, or at least his dad does, that he was blindsided in the end. Like, I can't believe they went and got him without talking to me. So that's the confusing part to me. But in the end, it sounds ridiculous, but a lot of people win in this. The the Braves have a great first baseman, younger. Dodgers have exactly who they want. Freddie Freeman got a lot of money. I still can't believe he's not the first baseman for the Braves. Yeah, and it's clear that the communication uh, was the issue here. And as Chipper said, you know, you don't know who to put that on. But the bottom line is there was an issue with communication. Freddie mentioned the other day that, you know, I only heard from the Braves twice since the end of the World Series. Well, 99 of those days were taken up by the lockout, which means that they weren't going to talk. There was a communication in November as Freddie started free agency. But I, I think from the Braves perspective, they felt like that, uh, you know, you got to give Freddie space. He's earned the right to be in free agency and talk with other teams. And then they talked in the first 48 hours after <laughs> after the baseball business resumed. And then in that last key conversation on that last Saturday night, uh, uh, Freddie's representatives called the Braves and said, OK, here are the two offers that and you have to take one, two proposals. You have to take one of these two and you have an hour to decide what's going to happen the Braves didn't take one of the two proposals. And at the end of the night, they agreed, okay, all offers off the table. We're moving on. You're moving on. Let's go. And it, it's sad. It, it just, the, the whole process that, uh, you know, Freddie winds up outside of Atlanta and he winds up taking less money than what he got with the Dodgers. Um, all right. So tell me about uh, what you saw with the San Francisco Giants when you were there. Well, I saw them only briefly. I saw the Padres a lot more. And I was there when Fernando Tatis went down with the injury, which they simply didn't know he was that badly hurt until he got to spring training. Now, he, of course, he could have. And if there weren't a lockout, this could all have been taken care of, perhaps. And he might even have been ready for opening day. But I guess he could have gone to his own do another doctor and gotten it taken care of. But the bottom line is, that guy's a great player. He was their best offensive player last year, and they're going to miss him terribly. Uh, they're going to play Kim at shortstop mostly, keep Cronenworth at second base. They've added Luke Voigt since I last saw them. So I still think they'll be okay. Their pitching is going to be really good. I saw Mike Clevenger. He told me he's 100% healthy, ready to start the season. So their pitching is really good. But they are they were not a good offensive team last year. 
Remember, Buster, they had the best record in baseball after 50 games, and they, they finished under 500 and didn't make the playoffs. They were 18 games under 500 the last 112 games, and it was mostly because of injuries and because they didn't hit. And now, no Tatis for maybe two, three months, that's a big loss for them in a very difficult division. How much of a difference do you think Bob Melvin will make as manager? Well, he's really good at this. He's a top three manager in baseball for me, and he's got such a great feel for people, and he understands analytics, but mostly being a former player, he gets how you speak to guys, and and he's got some real cleanup work to do there with some of those guys, but I think he'll put it together, and I think he'll put it together quickly, and believe me, he's, he's not used to having this kind of money to deal with in an organization, you know? He's got bench players who are making more money than the middle of the order hitters for the A's, so if anything does go wrong, which it already has, the Padres are in a position to go do something about it where the A's really couldn't. Before you go, a bleacher tweet I want to run past you. This is from T. Jones at TNJ629. Uh, he asked, Buster, the only bubble teams in, two, in Major League Baseball in 2022, uh, as of right now, are the Tigers, Twins, Mariners, and Phillies. Every other team is pretty much in or definitely out. Uh, is that how you see it, too? And I got to say, T. Jones, I don't agree. Tim, what about you? I see other teams that I could see being in the conversation for the expanded playoff field. Yeah, I agree. There's there's more than four. I did my playoff teams the other day, and I don't want to say it was easy, but it was a little easier than other years to do it. But I, I think there are more than four bubble teams. I think we've got an absolute fistfight in the American League East, same in the National League East. All these moves that these teams have made have changed, and it changes every day, Buster. Just when you think, do the Red Sox have enough? You know, with Chris Sale now being hurt, they they sign Trevor Story. You know, just when you wonder that the Twins they can't make a run, they sign Carlos Correa. So I think there's more than four bubble teams, and that's the beauty of baseball and the beauty of six teams in each league making the playoffs. Is there are a lot of teams that are going to have a shot, a lot more than four bubble teams. Yeah, I think the Royals are going to be better than what people expect. I think the Guardians with that pitching staff, you know, who knows uh, if they find their way. I think the Marlins pitching staff is really interesting. I wouldn't, I'm not going to pick them as a playoff team, but uh, Tim, I think you and I are on the same page. As the season goes along, uh, there might be some uh, other teams that emerge. All right, sir. Thanks for doing this. All right, Buster. See you soon. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. 
Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter and producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Foster. How are you? I'm doing great, although I can tell, like, I'm in Florida and you're in Arizona, and the time difference as we tape on Monday morning certainly coming through. Uh, and I apologize for having my six coffee, like, uh, energy in the morning as you're just sort of waking up. You know, these things happen. And of course, you know, normally even 9 a.m. on the East Coast is early for me. So we got the Arizona time zone going. It is great. It's because baseball is going on. It is all so worth it and so wonderful. All right. Michael Conforto is still the number one free agent or number one free agent still on the board. Uh, There are trades to come. At least that's the expectation in the industry that the Oakland Athletics at some point are going to trade Frankie Montas. Uh, and Sean Manaya, which team among the contending teams do you feel like is most in need of adding one of those Oakland starting pitchers? It feels like it has to be the Yankees. I mean, if you talk about the rotation, once you get to Garrett Cole, you sort of have some questions. I mean, we really haven't seen much from Luis Severino since about 2018 at this point. Jordan Montgomery, Nestor Cortez, Domingo Herman is injured. There's Luis Heel. Clark Schmidt, potentially, and of course, Jamison Tyone. But it seems like they really need that additional arm to bolster them if they're going to compete in the East. Yep, I completely agree with you. Like, I, I wonder after this, the Red Sox signed Trevor's story, if there's now going to be pressure on the Yankees to, to make that deal. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 159. So that was the batting average against uh, Luke Jackson's slider last year. And that's really just my entry point to talk about this Braves bullpen. We saw how good they were in the postseason. It really carried them and, you know, kept them in it throughout the regular season as well as they went through injuries, Acuna, whoever else. But they just have so many different looks, obviously. Now with Kenley Jansen, they have Colin McHugh, who you and I were emailing about a couple of weeks ago. He had one of the most unique seasons as a reliever in baseball history. He'll go a couple of innings, but not too many innings, and he's very good. Usually guys who are going a few innings are sort of more in mop-up duty. You have a guy like Darren O'Day who throws 85 with a great slider. He got hit pretty hard last year, but in the past has been really good. You have Tyler Matzik, 97th percentile and barrel rate allowed. And again, that Jackson slider has some of the most vertical movement along with Matzik and Kenley Jansen also on those lists. Number two. Number two is minus 22. So that's how many outs above average the Yankees had uh, defensively last year. 25th in the majors, not very good. Keeping Anthony Rizzo will make their defense a lot better this year. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, as we talked about, was definitely a defensive acquisition, and that's going to help a lot. Josh Johnson's last really good defensive season was a couple of years ago, but he still will help there. And the biggest thing is shortstop with Kiner-Falefa. They were minus 14 there last year, 27th in the majors. But I think having Kiner-Falefa there will really, really help. 
And we'll see. I mean, they made a big upgrade at catcher as well, just by the fact that they won't have Gary Santa. Number one. Number one is minus 16. So that was the Tigers outs above average last season, 22nd in the majors. They had a lot of defensive issues. Adding Javi Baez is a huge boon. Plus nine outs above average in 2020 when he last really paid the position. He was plus 31 in 2019. And Tucker Barnhart is a great framer. He was 79th percentile in outs in uh, framing in 2021. He didn't have any defense runs save last year, but he was plus eight in 2020. Detroit catchers had minus 14 defense runs saved in 2021, which was 28th in the Mangers. All right, sir. Before you go, uh, give me the team you're picking to win the World Series. I think it has to be the Dodgers. I mean, everything they've done, everything they continue to do feels like they're going to be the pick for the next five to 10 years at this point. Yep, I think you're right. When people talk about that lineup, uh, and the strength of it, uh, it's funny because it, you know, I've had people, I heard people say it's, you know, the best lineup we've seen. I'm like, no, it's like every other Dodger lineup with the depth that they have. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Bleacher tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a beautiful spring Monday. And, uh, you know, spring is officially here and our guy Reggie at Baseball Yoda Weather writes in, for some Major League Baseball teams, this season will be for the birds, but that doesn't mean we can't enjoy the sounds of spring, including some from Austin, Texas area birds. Here's Reggie's uh, bird sound that he submitted. We love that, don't we? Oh, Reggie. That is a, a Baseball Tonight podcast tradition, the sound of birds in spring. It's great down here in Florida, and it's great out in Texas. I woke up the other morning and uh, told my wife, I was like, oh, spring, it's it's here. It's right on the corner. She's like, what do you mean? It's 45 degrees. I was like, the birds, can't you hear them? Oh, my ears uh, are too Taylor, it's 86 degrees here in Florida. Mm. Thoughts and prayers to you, Buster. Don't don't sweat too much. Down there. <laughs> Sounds tough. Let's go to Colin Davis at official C Davis six. Colin writes in flying out of St. Louis tonight. If I make it to baggage claim after 12 a.m., is it then baggage claim Monday for Colin? I think that counts. Heck yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah 100%. And we're going to have baggage claim Mondays this year because I'm going to be traveling again for Sunday night baseball. Oh, very exciting news here. Let's go to PK. PK Steinberg writes in, has post has Major League Baseball's post lockout free agency been everything you hoped it would be? Yeah, PK, it's funny because a lot of people have been complaining about, well, there just hasn't been action. What are you kidding? It feels like between Freddie Freeman and the Matt Olson trade and, you know, guys like Correa and Trevor Story signing, there have been a lot of moves. That I mean, it just feels like every day we're getting eight to ten signings a day. I was out and about with my brothers this weekend, and they don't, they're don't they not big Major League Baseball guys. But when I got the notifications for Correa and Story, I um, start stomping around my house yelling, and they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's an arms race in the AL East. Come on, guys. Oh, what about except for uh, notice there's one team not involved in some of these big moves. Mm, you know, they are more like, you know, if we're making like a an arms race analogy, you know, I can't make a good one for the Orioles. Sorry, that's tough. Yeah, we'll move on from that <laughs> as well. They're uh, playing a different game. Let's uh, let's yeah, just put it that way. Yeah, the long game for sure. 
Jeremy Termini is up next. Jeremy writes in with many pitchers already going on the IL and the 68 IL, no less. And the condensed spring training, do you anticipate more teams using the opener idea during the first month of the season as starting pitchers build up their arm strength? And Jeremy, when he writes in, we always have to shout out the uh, Bleacher Tweeters Fantasy Baseball League. That is, uh, again, convenient for I don't know how many seasons in a row, but uh, but they're still hanging in there. Very nice. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt. I was talking to Rick Kranitz, the Braves pitching coach yesterday, and he was talking about, you know, the, the number of pitchers they're going to be using I, I, in the Yankees camp. And I asked about Luis Severino, how many pitches he's going to be up to by the time the season starts. It's going to be like 75. That's where a lot of the starting pitchers are going to be. So I do think there's going to be a ton of use of relievers early in the year. Tom Neiman is up next at Neiman 19, writes in seeing the Reds rebuild slash fire sale. Do you see Votto going to the Blue Jays left-handed bat can switch with Vladdy at first base chance to win a world series and from Toronto makes a lot of sense. At the end of the year, not the beginning of the year. I think at the beginning of the year, it's hard to, you know, to take on that kind of money. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure that if the Reds, if Votto were to agree to deal to Toronto, it would be with the Reds eating a ton of money, just considering his age. And, you know, he's, uh, he's at that point in his career where, he could get hurt for a lot of the year. Mitchell at Tigers of Detroit is up next. Mitchell writes, and how surprising is the length of the story deal with Boston? Is story just a second baseman going forward in his career? No, I think this is one year at second base. He'll be a shortstop moving forward. Uh, he'll certainly be there if Xander Bogarts leaves. And I disagree with Tim. The defensive metrics suggest that Xander Bogarts is at the bottom end of the shortstops in baseball. And if he stays with the Red Sox, I think he'll move to third base. Nicholas Iacaruso at Iacaruso, Nick19 writes, and I find it hypocritical that people are ripping the Rockies for signing Chris Bryant. These same people were complaining about bad teams not spending any money on free agents and fielding uncompetitive lineups. Nicholas, that's a fair criticism. Uh, I am certainly guilty of that. I would say this. Uh, my criticism of the Rockies signing Chris Bryant is more about the level of investment like if they did a, a, you know, a deal for much less then I wouldn't have criticized them, but to spend that much at this stage in their rebuilding, if that's one you want to call it, makes no sense, especially considering what we saw out of uh, Bryant last year. And finally, Elizabeth Hart at eHart tweets writes in, do you think the changes to the outfield fence at Camden will have any effect on the upcoming season? Or are the Orioles just trying to blame their organizational failings on the ballpark? Again, a long game being played by the Orioles buster. Yeah, you know, Elizabeth, I, I you know, I'll say it again. Camden Yard's my favorite ballpark, but there's no doubt among uh you know, coaching staffs among players, it's kind of viewed as like a, like a toy <laughs> Camden Yards is. <laughs> it has been because of the how close the outfield fences are. Uh, and so I think this is a case where the Orioles are trying to create a fairer game, something that you know will allow them to make the place more attractive to pitchers. But let's also pre- not pretend that we're again going to have a season of the Orioles tanking. And just making a ton of money and not really caring what kind of product they put on the field. I don't know what the over under is yet, Taylor, but I'm taking the under on wins. Oh, yeah. I think I was thinking about doing a thing where I just bet against the Orioles every game uh, this season on the money line, no matter the odds and, and see what we come up with at the end. That could be uh, that could be fun. But yes, the Orioles, Peter Angelos, just taking my money. I bought a new Orioles hat the other day. I felt bad about it at the time, but uh, 
That's the name of the game here. Long game for the O's. Thanks for writing in, everyone. I don't think we've ever had as many people write in for Bleacher Tweets. I know it's been a couple of days since we did a show, but the uh, the feedback and the interaction has just been phenomenal from the Bleacher Tweeters. So thanks for writing in, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter, and please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Taylor, and Sarah. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.